What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vane Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Heller, and today we got Drew Schlemmon. And Drew is the host of the Predator Podcast. Uh, and if you want to find him, we will we will talk about where you can find him later. But effectively, today we are talking about killing coyotes. Um, I am not a good coyote hunter by any means. I'm actually awful at it. I've never killed a dog. Actually, I've killed one coyote. It was on accident, not on accident. It was I was not coyote hunting. Um, and I have coyote hunted a few times, missed a few coyotes. Um, you know, the last two years during opener of gun, I've had coyotes within 30 yards and I've missed them both. Like somehow, some way, like they just like sneak up on me and I got my scope, like fully zoomed in and whatnot. And I'm just like, where are they? And I just, you know, start sending bullets and, and, and there's not a dead coyote. Um, but, uh, but this year actually last year i bought it assuming i would use it never did i bought an atn thor 4 for this my dad was like we need to get a thermal scope we need to go get one because you know in november walking out of the woods bow hunting uh, i we own like a valley and two hillsides uh valleys in the middle and i'd be coming out of the valley get to the top of the hillside by our cabin and you just like start hearing them chiming off you know, it's right after sunset, right? When you're pretty much getting out of the woods and they're just going wild. Yep. yep. And you're just like, God dang, I should just like go grab the gun, turn around, go walking right back down in there, <laughs> try to try to thin them bad boys out. Um, and they're all over the place. And I've seen them uh, just driving around down by our property. And and certainly um, I, I don't I don't know how they do on the deer numbers are decent, but I know like the turkey numbers probably get hit pretty hard because the turkeys like even for southwest Wisconsin, like, you know, that kind of area, um, there's just not not what I would expect out there. It's just a little bit less. So for us, like I would really like to go um, smack some coons. We have coons the size of German shepherds yep. out there like <laughs> 40 pounders now nah, they're probably not that big but they're giants um yeah they are so i would like to go out there check uh figure out some of them but then also you know kind of thin out some of these coyote packs that i'm seeing all the time or here at least hearing um so ask you i've not when did we first meet man was it midwest whitetail days had to be like yeah had to be gosh almost almost 10 years ago gotta be like eight ten years ago almost yeah eight years ago i think no i mean whitetail like i was at midwest whitetail 10 like doing the pot doing the pro staff thing i think you were you were my editor right i would send to you no i nope i was were just you? a pro staffer okay so we just met like through midwest whitetail then yep yeah yep. and then um yeah it had to be like eight to 10 years ago. And then we just kind of stayed in touch yeah. randomly since, and you are now putting yep. down a lot of coyotes and I want to learn how to do that. So that's what this podcast is about. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So like I said, I got to, well, let's just talk. First of all, do you want to give like an intro of you? Like yeah, when sure. did you coyote start coyote hunting all that, all that fun stuff? Okay. Well, I think I officially started coyote hunting. I think I was probably 14 or so, maybe 12, somewhere in the 12 to 14 year old range. So I've been doing it for 12 to 15 years or so. I mean, 
I know that those first like five years we did it, I mean, we went a lot and didn't kill very many. Um, I just know that that after that first one that I killed, I was like, man, this is, you know, this is pretty cool. And then, you know, even I remember calling some in and not killing them, you know, different, different things like that. Uh, Yeah. And then I would say, you know, when I got into high school, I think I started doing it pretty, pretty starting to realize that I really like to do it. And then when I got into college and I had a lot more time, I, I really started to do it more. And obviously when you're in college, you get a nice long winter break and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So I just, uh, as I got older, I got more and more time to do it and it just kind of snowballed all the way along to uh, where I'm at now. And I just, uh, don't, can't seem to get enough of it. And I, I'm always thinking about it and wanting to do it more. So yeah, that's kind of uh, how I got into it. Yeah. And so like, see, like seriously, seriously coyote hunting because like you're going to kansas this weekend you've been there already um you have your own predator podcast and then also you're like you're always hunting around wisconsin and you're traveling for like in my opinion if you're traveling to hunt coyotes like you're pretty serious about it most people (laughs) are just like oh yeah our back 40 i'm gonna run out there you know once a year and see yeah throw a call out yeah for right. sure yeah i would say like just in the past probably yeah probably probably the last five years have been real real serious about it and then the past three years like three years ago i went to kansas for the first time and uh yeah it's it's i'm hoping to go more places and keep just hunting them and doing it in more places and seeing yeah. more country there's a there's a lot of good coyote hunting around the the country and a lot of people encourage you to shoot them. Nobody cares how big they are. It's just uh it's a fun, it's a fun thing to uh to do and when you're successful, especially. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is uh that's kind of nice that you mentioned that. Like there's no there is a total absence of like that's a trophy coyote type thing. Like no yeah. one really cares. Just exactly. like good, you got another one, fantastic. Yep, yep, shoot more. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're catching bluegills, no one's, no one's really being like, well, were they all 12 inches? You're just like, did you yeah. get 25? You're like, yep. And they're like, nice. Yep. Got my <laughs> limit. Right. Yeah, exactly. As long as they're not like little, like six inches there, you're like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> yep. For sure. Um, so like, all right. <clears throat> Pretty much. I am like a basic noob when it comes to this stuff. Um, And I think a lot of people are in like the same boat, like, oh yeah, we've, I've hear coyotes are on our property. Like I should go hunt them. Um, And then I have to imagine there's like better coyote hunting properties than others. Um, There's better ways to set up. There's better calls to use certain times of the year. Like there's a lot to cover in like the grand scheme of things, but in general, like most people are going to want to coyote hunt their deer hunting property i feel like that's what mo- is the, do you agree is that kind of mostly what yeah, you hear absolutely agree yeah so then if if that's the case like where do you like where would you begin or how do you start like how do you how do you start this process from from blank slate like if if i came to you and was like drew teach me your ways you'd be like all right here's where we're gonna start yep well obviously having having spots to go is number one but i mean obviously if you're a deer hunter you probably have either public land that you hunt 
you know, a, a lease, a permission farm, whatever it may be. I mean, pretty, pretty standard. There's going to be coyotes on whatever piece of ground that you have access to. I would say the biggest thing, um, especially that I hear from deer hunters a lot, you know, is, you know, I, I was, a lot of people contact, you know, Hey, go shoot coyotes at my place. Go, you know, do the, whatever. I got coyotes all over the place, you know, kind of hear it a lot. And I think a lot of people, especially deer hunters just have the, you know, they, they, they want to kill them, but it's like, they almost just kind of take for granted how smart they are. And we'll kind of just go into it as, you know, I'm just coyote hunting. I get pictures of them all the time. I see them all the time, deer hunting. And I'm just going to go out and blast some rabbit distress and I'll probably kill one. You know, doesn't matter where the wind is or where I sit or, you know, I think that's a pretty common thing. And I think another common thing is just people just hunt too much. You know, they have their one spot or two spots that they go deer hunt and they, they might get bored in the winter and they might go call it every weekend or, you know, in a lot of different situations like that. But I would say, you know, number, realistically I treat my good coyote hunting spots like almost like my best big buck killing spot like I'm going in there at very strategic times you know the wind has to be absolutely perfect you know I'm not going to go in there if there's high wind I'm not going to go in there um you know in the middle of the day I'm just going to be very meticulous and careful about when I go in there very similar to the way I would approach a mature buck hunt you know your your access (laughs) it's like it's just a lot of the same type concepts that I think a deer hunter oftentimes overlooks going into a coyote hunt just because you just see it as it's just a coyote. I think right. if you approach it like a big buck hunt, I think that you're going to probably kill a lot of coyotes. Okay. So you're saying like, in a sense, like your entry route, your exit route, where you're setting up, keeping the wind in your favor um and all, like that all yeah. plays into it like you actually you can't just go stomping around and set down and throw a coyote call out and yep. expect something to come in yeah i mean i mean of course you can you know you can i mean anything can happen it's hunting you know obviously you can do this you could go stomp around your whole property sit down and you could kill a deer by chance of course those things happen mm-hmm. but as a general very general rule like i'm i'm going to always try to hunt you know, let's say there's a timber out in front of me. I'm always going to try to hunt it on a crosswind or like a, what I call a semi crosswind. So it's kind of hitting me, you know, in the cheek going over my shoulder, opposite shoulder. And I'm always going to position my call, whether, I mean, whether you have an e-call or a hand call, I mean, majority of people are, are have an e-call of some kind anymore, but I always put my call to the upwind of me. And then I want to be able to shoot to the downwind, but you still need to be able to shoot the call. So you don't want to get the call like out of sight or anything like that, but call upwind, you want to be able to shoot and see to the downwind because coyotes are going to go downwind almost every time. And if they don't, the worst case scenario is they're going to come right to the call, but not, gotcha. not, not too often, but majority so like of the time big, it's going to be. Okay. So when you like, that's kind of getting into the setup right away, which is yep. you always, okay. So you're saying, because you know wisconsin at least you know a lot of the podcast listeners are from wisconsin michigan uh pennsylvania minnesota and we're not talking about big plain states like south dakota north dakota kansas Nebraska, right we're talking about like woodlots ridges fields things like that 
So effectively, are you setting up like, well, what's the time of day? Like, are you going when it's light out? Or are you only going at night or both? So I do both, but I would, if I am a deer hunter, I think your general average deer hunter does not have a thermal and night vision, anything like that. I think that the best time to kill them personally is at like dusk, like the last, you know, half an hour, last hour, maybe of light, depending on where you're at. But the closer to dark, the better seems like the dark, you know, the closer to dark, the higher your odds of care of calling one in. I mean, it's very similar to deer, you know, but I would say if I had to pick a time, um, I would to kill one, it's going to be at dusk. Your, your entry is not as important when you go in at dusk, in my opinion. I think when you go in in the mornings, you have a, you can definitely blow them out going in, especially if you're going long ways back into places. Um, you know, we, I've gone into stands as of, you know, the past year or so, and we'll take, like, we go in for our morning stands, we'll take a thermal scanner and just scan the fields as we're going in. And you wouldn't believe how many times, oh, there's a coyote right there. You know, we got to change our setup or, you know, adjust based on where they're at. So I think if you're going to go in in the morning, you just have to be very cautious of your access being quiet and the wind being right. And then I think you can get away with it. But I think when they're, especially here, when there's snow on the ground, it makes accessing very tough in the mornings. So if there's snow on the ground, especially I'm going to lean on a afternoon set and I'm going to go in there about an hour before dark and then sit there for 15, 20 minutes, let the sun go down whatever it may be, however long that is. Usually right when the sun goes down is when I start calling. So that's okay. kind of a general, general rule, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably my favorite time. That's when I'd still, still kill a lot of them. Um, and then obviously if you have, if, if you have uh, access to thermal night vision, you know, whatever is legal in your state, you know, the nighttime is always good. But I, again, with night, I would just, also cautious play a lot of caution to your access especially if there's snow stay closer to buildings closer to roads don't go so deep and just kind of call them out of the cover at night and use the darkness to your advantage but uh there's never a bad time to call at night really unless it's super windy but yeah night i mean night's always going to be your best time but gotcha so then um why is why is it a big problem if there's snow on the ground is it the noise or is it yep the okay it's just strictly the noise when you're walking i mean if there's wind you know i mean there's think about it if you're you know if if you're approaching a a buck bedding area you know how you would want to approach that that's the way i look at it you know if i think that they can hear me in there i'm probably not going to do it but if i have you know a stiff wind it's going to lay down after i sit down you know, something like that, then maybe I'll go push in there farther or, you know, something along those lines. And like I said, at dusk, I don't think it matters as much. The biggest thing I think is just sitting there. Like if it's, if you're going to make noise going in or something of that nature, I would just sit there longer, like a half hour, you know, 45 minutes before you touch any calls, just let things settle down. Uh, I think that's important too. Okay. So then, um, like just thinking about my, like my area and what I'm, what I'm doing. Um, so if we're, if I'm going in, like, let's pretend I'm going in, in the evening. Um, I just, I don't have a thermal, like I'm just hanging out and maybe there's a light, a light, a light snow on the ground just to help like yep. for vision, right. For our yep. vision. 
Um, you can kind of sneak yep. in there, and even if the the moon's popping, you might be able to get a couple rounds off a little bit later. Yep. Right. Is yep. that is a full moon decent? Is that does the moon matter? Do you find? Um, I would say no. Um, the only thing that matters with the moon is you have to be more careful about your setup, especially if there's snow. If there's not snow, they'll see you. Maybe you know. The thing I notice with a full moon is they just won't. They no, they still will. You know, granted, everything is an a you know, every anything can happen always. I'm not gonna say that you know always or never, but majority of the time with a full moon, they just don't come just piling in like they sometimes do when it's pitch black out because they're a lot more cautious because they can see better. So mm-hmm. I would just always treat like a full moon setup almost like a daylight. Like I would prefer like some cover, a fence line, you know even just some grass or anything that you can use to just give you a little bit of cover at night or at when the moon's out, I think it helps. Gotcha. Whereas but it's definitely, definitely a good time though. Like, I mean, it's, it's night still. So I mean, it's still a good time. Yeah. So then you're saying like, if it's pitch black, then you don't, or not necessarily, maybe not pitch black, but you got a very little moon or you got some cloud cover. And it's just pretty dark out like then. Yep. And no the, snow. Yeah, I would, I would not be afraid to sit right out in the middle of nowhere and not, yeah, I wouldn't be afraid of that at all. Okay. And is that, so then, all right. So if you're like, let's say you're approaching like in this, in this like scenario that we're talking about here. Um, and I just got to like outline, outline this kind of for myself and I'm sure someone else is, yeah. is thinking this, like walking into a cornfield cornfields maybe it's i don't know like let's just pretend it's 300 yards long and on the end there's a big wood lot right yeah so you're coming in and maybe there's some little hills and rolls in that cornfield are you getting like within 100 yards of that wood lot and then because that's where you think those those yodis are and then you're putting your call you got the wind in your face kind of the whole time or maybe it's like slightly left or right or something like that like the crosswind like you kind of like putting the call between you and the wood lot and then being yep. able to shoot behind you from where you came in case they circle back around. Um, but in general, you're watching that wood lot is that, and you're sitting yep. right in the middle of that field. Yep. If it, yeah, I would, I would, I would say that's fairly common. Um, I, I would probably, if, if I was going to go call that at dusk, yeah, I would probably get within 200 yards of that, you know, 150, whatever, you know, however my setup was good in that range, I would try to get closer. But if it's at night, um, I would not be afraid to sit 300, you know, or more even farther away from it, just depending on how you can access. Uh, that would be, uh, if you can get within six, 700 yards of them at night, you're probably pretty safe. And I would prefer to be, you know, all of within five, if not 300 of them in the, in the, in a daylight dusk morning situation. Okay. Gotcha. No, that's, that's interesting. So, and, and the reason that you're, you're okay with being further away at night is because they'll, they will move further or why? Yeah, they will just come farther and they're, they're more comfortable. And, and a lot of times if you have, I mean, if you, regardless, full moon, thermal, whatever you have, um, you, I mean, you might even just, they might even already be out in the fields too. So it's just kind of a, you know, you, you might blow them out. You might, you know, there's just a lot of disadvantages of getting real close to them at night, unless it's windy, unless it's windy, then I would always try to get closer. 
Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. You're just effectively at when it's actually at night, like let's say it gets dark at 7 PM yep. and gets light at 6 AM. Like if you're rolling around at 10 PM, they can very easily be out and scooting around and doing their thing. So at that yep. point you're pretty cautious when you're entering a new set or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm always looking, scanning, glassing. If it's a full moon, that's a big thing too with a full moon, just using your binoculars a ton because you can see so much better with them. Typically, anyways, my yeah. experience, if you have a decent pair of binoculars, you can see way better with them. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, always at night, you'd be cautious, especially like if some, if there's a dead animal, you know, if you know, if you know of a dead deer, if you know of a, a dead pile that a farmer has, you know, anything like that, I would say there's pretty good odds there's going to be a coyote around it somewhere gotcha yeah and that is one of the one of the one of the things that i have definitely noticed is is there is a farmer by us and he's got a dead pile and there's usually if there's vultures over there that means it's fairly fresh and like there's usually yodis around at that point oh yeah um, yeah okay gotcha so then um so at, at night you're much more cautious, but at dusk, like they're not out. So you can generally get a little bit closer. What is like, yep. do you, is there like an effective hearing range? Like how close or how far they have to be in order to hear something or your call, I should say. I heard, uh, I heard some, I heard at one sometime at like a seminar or something that I was at, someone said they could hear a, you know, a mouse squeak from some distance that was crazy far away but I don't know. I can't, I can't remember exactly what that was. Um, I mean, they can hear exceptional. I would say, you know, I, I mean, they, I mean, I've heard them howl from over, I mean, probably over a mile from a call. So, I mean, I don't think, uh, anywhere, if you're anywhere within, I would say a mile, I would sure think they're going to probably hear you, obviously, depending on the terrain, you know, what you have to break it up, the more woods, the more cover, the the less distance your sound's going to travel, you know, things like that. But right. yeah, I would say, you know, as any electronic call, anything like that, I would say they're going to hear it within even a quiet electronic call. I'm sure they can hear within a thousand yards. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah that's so then okay so then that brings me to another question is like if you're out on a sit um i have two questions what calls to use and when that's one question and that's a big question the second question which i want to answer right now is uh like if uh if you're in a set like you get out you're like you know, you're going out to your deer hunting spot or what your deer hunting land. And you're like, yeah, I usually hear coyotes over here. So like, that's generally yep. where most people are going to start, right. Going to go yep. over there, kind of get somewhat like maybe halfway there. You're going to get within a couple hundred yards. Like you said, going to throw a call out and see what, what, what happens. How long are you sitting there? That's my, my, so my first question is how, how long are you sitting there and letting that thing run? Like, give me a couple of scenarios. Cause I know you mentioned like, if it's loud and crunchy, I'm hanging out for 30 minutes, 45 minutes before I even start. But otherwise, if it's like yeah. a good setup, like, is it like you got the call on for five minutes, waiting five minutes and you're out. Or is it like, no, I stay there and I do X amount of se sequences and all this jazz. So I would say for a 
dusk type sit, I would I would guess I'm probably sitting there for 45 minutes to an hour ish, give or take a little bit, depending on how fast it's getting dark. You know, if it's cloudy, you know, different things like that. I would say I generally play my sounds, the stress sounds for two to three minutes or, or three to five minutes, probably. And then I turn it off and I'm sitting for five minutes quiet. I usually try to keep at least a five minute break between each sound. Um, that's kind of what I see up here with like, I mean, generally every coyote in Wisconsin is fairly pressured to some extent, whether it's just from human intrusion, you know, granted, there's always going to be those random spots that are off the map or don't get pressure or whatever. Actually, a lot of people, a lot of deer hunters have killer coyote hunting spots and don't know it. They just, just cause they don't hunt them. But yeah, you know, as a general rule, you know, at least, at least where I'm at in the Southwest part of the state, everything's pressured, you know, and it's getting more pressured, but I would say, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to, I think in those situations, less is more, you know, playing less sounds. I'm always going to start quiet, building up volume throughout that sequence and then bringing it back down, shutting it off, sitting for five minutes quiet. I would say at night, I'm going to do a similar similar but i'm gonna do it maybe potentially a little quicker i might maybe only break like three minutes three to five minutes between but depending on the situation i would say my evening sets are anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and then i would say my night sets are 25 minutes to a half hour and okay. if, if i hear something howl if i think there's something there if i see something i'll stay longer but I would say as a general rule, if I get to the 25 to minute to a half hour mark, I'm going to probably, I'm going to probably pull the plug at that point. If I haven't heard anything or saw anything at that point. Gotcha. So it's a, a relatively a quick set in yeah. comparatively to like deer hunting or anything else. Yeah. Really. Um, yeah to deer hunting. <laughs> yeah. But if you hear, I mean, you're going to hear a lot of people that are going to say 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, but I, I think just in the Midwest in general, the upper Midwest, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, anywhere up here, I think you definitely, the longer your stands are, the, the less sounds you play, the longer your breaks are, I think your success is going to be higher just in, in mm -hmm. general. Okay. Gotcha. So when you're, so that eve, that evening dusk sit, when you're sitting out there, I think that's one that a lot of people can kind of get on board with because it's like, ah, yeah, I'll go yeah, sit. Deer hunters. Yeah. Um, so with that one, you know, you're playing your call and you're increasing in volume over the course of those three minutes, three to five minutes of the e-caller, then you're decreasing towards the end. And then you're, you're sitting there uh, for five minutes, five, 10 minutes. Then are you playing that same call again? And how many times are you doing that? So I, what I always do, I'll sit, like, like I said, I'll, I'll walk in, I'll sit down, I'll sit there for, I usually like to sit for at least, I'm talking to dusk sit. If it's night, I'll sit down, I'll sit the call out, I'll sit in my chair, I'll start calling. Unless I made a bunch of noise or whatever, but in a dusk sit, I'll, uh, I'll sit there for, I like to be at least 15 minutes and then I'll play uh, three to five minutes of uh, like a baby cottontail you know, a cottontail, something along those lines. 
Um, and then I'm going to sit for five minutes. Then I'm going to play another, a different rabbit, whether it's a cottontail, a baby cottontail, whatever. I'm just something different than I played the first time. And then I'm going to sit there for another five minutes. Um, and then I'm going to play a female howl of some sort. Uh, everybody's calls are going to have something different. If you have a Fox pro, if you have a, you know, whatever, whatever brand call you use, if you have like a general female long howl, lone howl, something along those lines, um, that's what I would play. And then I would follow it with a male howl, whether it's, you know, again, female, long loan interrogation, something along those lines. Then I would go to a, give it a three to five minute break. And then I'm going to play a male long loan interrogation something along those lines. Um, you're just kind of playing off this scenario, like, okay, there's, there's something that, there's something that was dying here. Now there's a female here. And now all of a sudden there's a male here. And then I would give it after that male howl, I would probably give it a five to 10 minute break. It the, totally is going to depend. I'm, I get impatient sometimes and, you know, hit it at five minutes, but if yeah. I could, and I was, you know, very optimistic or a you know and again this could all get thrown out the window if something howls back at you in that situation but in a general dusk sit i would say they're not not at least in my experience more times than not they're not gonna help so gotcha. i'm gonna give it that five to ten minutes and then i'm gonna go to like a pup distress or uh some type of some type of pup distress sound um whatever again whatever your e-collar has on it is gonna probably work um, and that's oftentimes when I get that hard charger, if there's going to be one, um, and then after that, I would let that again, let that play for three, probably only three minutes on the pup distress. It's just seems like it's fairly, it's, it's a fairly aggressive sound. So it's usually like, you're going to get a reaction or you're not, seems like, yeah. So then I'll turn it off. And then again, another 10 minute like that. And if I, Normally in that like two to three minutes after I shut it off is when I see a lot of them or, or call in a lot of them. You know, I, I've seen them come in at every point in the sequence, but I would say definitely majority are in that two to three minutes after I, I turned the, that call off. Hmm. Um, after the so pup then I'm going to give it 10. Yep. After I played a pup distress of some sort, I'm going to turn the call off and sit there for 10 minutes. And that's when I'm like, my hands are on my gun. Like I'm, I'm locked on. As soon as I turn on that pup distress, like I'm, I'm like, all right, something's coming here. Like yeah. whoever I'm, my buddies that I'm with, we're always like, you can just see everyone when that pup distress turns on, everyone's ready for something to happen. And uh, okay. so then if, if I go, if I play that and I go for 10 minutes silent and you know, nothing still at that point, then I'll usually at this point, it's probably getting fairly dark. And then I would play like a pair howl usually or a serenade howl maybe um, of some sort. See if I can get anything to light off and howl that's nearby. Um, and then if nothing howls back, I'm going to go back to a different pup distress of coyote fight, a breed fight of some kind. And again, I again, once that's turned off is when I see it, a lot of them come in too. I've seen it. You know, I've, I've gotten to the end of all this and all of a sudden you look over on the opposite ridge and there's one sitting on his, on his can looking at you, you know, things like that at that point where they're kind of just like curious or, you know, right. whatever it may be, but that's kind of what I'm going to, 
that's kind of my general i would say for a, especially for a dusk stand that's how i'm gonna go about it gotcha yeah man that makes that makes sense um yeah my dog just walked in his nails on the new wood floor clip them up um sorry yep. so um yeah dude that's that's a much longer sequence than i anticipated i anticipated yeah, like cottontail cottontail howl move <laughs> yeah no i think uh i think a lot of people think it think that that and, and and again it may work you know i've i've gone out there plenty of times and played my three my five minutes of rabbit and here comes one and i you know that's great when that happens but i would say that's you know a very a handful of times every year that happens and i'm doing you know a ton of stands yeah um, yeah i think yeah i think i think just in general this in wisconsin especially you just have to sit longer and they're just a lot more leery they just don't not very often anyways they just don't pile in like you see in yeah. videos and things so then um Okay, so if we're doing like if that's a a, a dusk sit, right? It's like yep. what is it? What was it? Rabbit, rabbit, uh, female, male, pup to stress, serenade, yep. fight, and then you're like yep. out. So that's like seven calls. Yep. Yep, um, pretty much. You know, five minute intervals between each. What happens like if in the middle of the call? you see one like do you just turn it down do you turn it off do you let it keep running is there uh a... well there's a lot of i think there's a lot of different uh people that have opinions on things like this if you hear if you watch a lot of videos or if you're you know watch coyote hunting videos you're going to hear a lot of people have a lot of different theories but in my opinion um what i do is if one's coming in and i'm if it's just coming in slow like whatever i'm definitely just gonna leave the call play right. if they hang up if they stop and hang up i'm gonna you know if they sit down or something like that i'm gonna turn the volume down usually you usually turn the volume down and then if, if give it like whatever 20 30 seconds if they still haven't moved i'm gonna turn it off and then sometimes i'll give them a break a lot of times just turning it down gets them to break sometimes turn it off gets them to break and if they don't move, then I would either switch sounds or if they're in range, I would try to shoot them at that point. But if they're, if they're hard charging, uh, I'm as soon as they're in range or if they're getting, you know, let's say, you know, I spot them at 300 yards. I would say if, when they get to like 150 yards, I'm probably going to turn the call off because if you leave it play when they're, charging the call it's sometimes almost impossible to, to get them to stop and i think mm. that's one of the hardest things especially for deer hunters like i know a lot of people that do it you know or, or do it a few times a year and that's one of the biggest mistakes i think that people make is you know oh here comes one here comes one and they just let it come let it come let it come and then all of a sudden it blows by the call or gets close enough and sees you and tears out of there or whatever it may be I think that's one of the most common things that you can mess up on is just not being able to get them stopped. So I would always turn the call off. And then when they, when I 
you know, well, let's say they, you know, anytime, any, if they're inside of 150 yards, I'm like foaming at the mouth, like, all right, I'm ready to shoot this thing, you know, but as close as you want to let them get, I guess, if they're coming and then whatever is comfortable for you. And I always just bark at them whenever I'm ready and stop them. Sometimes it's multiple barks if they're running, but or charging in, but uh, get them stopped and they usually lock them up for a nice, nice shot and tip them over. Yeah. So, okay. No, I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. Like that's, the, I, that's why I asked. Cause there's so many, I never know. Like I've had two come to the call before one of them stopped and stared and then we just totally missed. Um, and then another one just came, like, I saw it at like 60 yards. And by the time I saw mm-hmm. it and then I saw and like, I was like, it was, I was pretty close to the brush by the time I saw it. And then I, grab my gun I was on it and then I saw it again real fast and then it got downwind to me and was gone like effectively that's like that would happen that's what happened um yep so like um well we we were chatting about I want to just beat that beat that drum a little bit more so the calls uh like the the whole setup scenario so calling um and in the middle of like rabbit distress on second time through like they're coming in and effectively you need to get them to keep coming turn it up turn it not you know you did not say to turn it up right so turn up yeah i usually don't if you see them it's turned down i usually don't but i have before sometimes sometimes i have seen work like turn it up and then turn it right back down like just kind of not not loud loud so you don't want them to be like you know i think playing too loud can sometimes alarm them like you know that that's not realistic or whatever I would sometimes turn it up a little bit and then go back down. And I have seen that work like, okay, now they're, now they're coming again. Sure. But yeah, I would say more times than not, I would say turning the volume down works. And if it doesn't, then, you know, they might not be coming. I I would, if, if they're hung up and you're, they're not in shooting range, then I would try to go to a pup distress. Um, And then if that doesn't work, then I would probably think about shooting at them. Really, I mean, if they are coming that, yeah, I mean, a lot of people would say go to like a like a squeak, like a mouse squeak, vol squeak, something like that. That could work. Um, so if you're trying to change it up to get them to come in, you know, I would say volume down, turn it off, a, squ- a squeaks of some kind, vol squeaks, mouse mm-hmm. squeaks, something like that, and then a pup distress. And if the thing's still sitting out there, you might as well. I figure you might as well. Try your, try your luck see how good of a shot you are yeah yeah i yeah at that point um okay so and you got to get them like once they're coming um are you always setting up in areas where you can see 100 yards are you trying to i would say yeah i would say i, I, I would like to be able to see even more than 100 yards like if i can see 200 yards i'm probably pretty happy um, I don't find myself in a ton of situations where I can't see more than a hundred yards. I would say I would, I, I mean, they work, I mean, especially like when, when we go to Kansas and stuff, like getting into tight cover is, is sometimes really good. And I think it would work here too. I just, I just don't do it a whole lot because I think you get yourself into cover too much. I think they can get around you easier. So I just always, I'm trying to, however I can be to where I can see downwind you know you got to think about wherever if there's cover downwind to me there there's a good chance they can get around me 
So I guess, you know, I just naturally, the way my setups work is when there's open ground to where I can blow my wind, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. 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 No, that, that does make sense. So like if you're, if you're in tighter quarters, like hundred yards, like you can only see a hundred yep. yards or maybe even last like 70 or 80. Um, yep. Like in your in, let's just say there's like a small, you're in like a, a small five acre, like field or a 10 acre field and you got yep. woods. Yep. Or a food the, plot or something. Yep. Yeah. You got woods on one, like you got woods all the way around, but you think all the coyotes, let's just say the wind is coming from the North. You're on the South end of the field. You're looking to yep. the North. So looking into the wind. You're looking across that field, which is whatever, 80 yards long. And then on the other end, your is is where you think the coyotes are, like in that woods, right? Um, yep. Are you, where are you putting the call in that? Are you putting the call close to you? Are you putting it right out in the middle of that like empty food plot? Or what do you think in there? If my wind is in my face, is that what you're saying? Your yeah. wind is in your face, you're looking at a over your food plot. I would get the call, the call as far away from me as I could. Realistically, right. I would put it as far upwind of me as I can, assuming that they're going to come out of, let's say the right or the left side, you know, and to cut the wind of the call would be what mm -hmm. I would expect. Um, so you're talking would, like 20, would, are you talking like 40 yards or 50 yards or 20 yards? I'm, I'm putting the, I would say I probably normally have the call 40 to 50 yards away normally, um, okay. occasionally farther, occasionally closer, totally depends on the setup. I would just, you know, I, one thing I think is really huge too, is I have a, like a spinner decoy on my call, you know, but they okay. make all kinds of spinner decoys. I think having a visual is very important, especially for, if it's at night, it doesn't really matter. They can't really see it. But if it's in the dusk or whatever, like you're going to get a lot more of those charger reactions if they can see something and they're going to not circle the wind as bad. Like if they come to the edge and they see that thing, like sometimes they'll come just busting out. Well, they probably already saw that spinner from back in the woods. Um, I would say something, some visual aid for them, just something to give them like, okay, up there it is, bang, here they come. But I would say getting the call as far away from you upwind um, this would be what I would do. So, it, and if you have a spinner, you're okay with just setting it in the middle of an empty field. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, I, okay. I've never seen an issue with, I, you know, I guess not that I can think of. I think that if they get close enough that they can see the call itself, I think they should be shot probably, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I've never, I've never noticed the, cause like my call has the spinner right on the top of it. So like, my calls there all the time i have seen though where they where i didn't have it and they come and just stare right at it and they're like nope there ain't nothing there i'm out so yeah from I like seen it an, an additional 50 yards at like 100 yards they're like from you or even further yeah yeah i mean i would say they're i mean again they're usually relatively close but like i had it happen to me once like all of a sudden this one is just staring at the call box like Oh, and the thing you can just see the thing just looks at the call like, oh no, like that is not what I thought it was, and boom, gone. Sure, yeah, and that's what I'm wondering because, like, you know, um, uh, in when I've done this, um, one of the things that I've always tried to do is like put my call like in a bush, 
because I don't have a yep. spinner. So then at least yep, like it, it helps like, oh, it's in the bush. I shouldn't be able to see yeah. it, the thing. Yep. No, that, that actually, that, that's a great, that's a great call too. So if you, especially if you don't have a spinner or something, I would definitely do that. Yeah. Okay. I think and it, then it make, would make them come look too. And yeah. Do it. And it, it's, it's realistic. Like obviously a rabbit or whatever is going to typically be in a bush or brush pile or whatever. Brush piles are good spots for your call too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think of that. Okay. So I thought about that. And, and when you're saying this, it's actually drawn a lot of parallels for me for for decoys with turkeys like if you call to a field and they come out and there's nothing there they generally get real leery real fast yeah they hang out right and but if there's a decoy they're like aha i'm gonna come kick your ass (laughs) exactly 100 100 that was yeah that's perfect okay um so all right. What else was there? There was, I want to talk about what type of calls season one, but I want to kind of continue to walk through this, this whole, these whole setup yep. scenarios. Cause this is, I, I feel like there's so many scenarios that you're just like, yeah, All right, based on this, we're probably going to do this. Yeah. Right. What is a, yeah, really, no, you, what is a common, what is a common scenario you see people get themselves into? That's a bad idea. Do you have anything? Um, I think calling right next to the road or something of that nature in the, in the light or in the dusk dawn, uh, situation, I think that that, or I think blowing your wind into, into cover, I think is in, in general, always a bad idea. If, if they can get around, if they, I always say, if they can get around you, they will. So like, you just have to find like, granted there's going to be there's going to be times where you have to give something up you know it's just like deer hunting like okay you're going to give up mm-hmm. you're going to give this up okay well that's fine you have to give something up i would just you know obviously try to stack the cards in your favor as best you can but i would say mm-hmm. i would say just calling too close to buildings to you know just calling you know 100 yards from someone's house or barn or you know and granted obviously those things can always work i'm not again i've seen a lot of things work i've seen people call them in from the vehicle i've seen you know i've seen crazy stuff like that but as a in a general rule if you want to go out there and have success it's not going to happen like that i would say just getting away from a road away from buildings and blowing Mm -hmm. your wind where you can see it as a general rule okay i think those are those are the biggest mistakes that i i think i think actually the biggest mistake is calling with the wind in your face but at times you have to and i get that but I think you don't. So you hold on. That's a huge, like, I, um, so I, like you said, crosswind, but you think, you think just having the wind straight up in your face is not a good idea. Yes. I, I, is a, especially if you are, you know, especially if you're by yourself or whatever it may be, if the winds in your face, just more times than not, they're going to end up behind you or they're going to take big, big loops around you you know two three oh. 400 yards out just to get around you um i think that it, as soon as the wind's in your face it just amplifies that like i at times i would call with it at my back before i would at, in my face no shit okay so this is really kind of messing with my head because deer hunting like you pretty much always like you want that wind in your face right yeah, for sure so but but deer hunting you're you're not generally speaking unless you like 
rat you only hunt during the rut and all you do is rattle yeah um yeah you're like the you're you're trying to catch a deer like on its natural path right whereas in yep. coyote hunting you're not trying to catch them on a natural path natural path you're trying to bring them to you um yeah so then okay so effectively you want that i'm trying to envision this in my head you want that crosswind um because like like if you're looking north south you want the call yep. out there and you want them coming east west so effectively you can shoot them like without them getting yep. downwind of you either way right yeah um and so then if, if i'm looking north south i kind of want a crosswind that's like coming from west to east or east to west yeah and then i would put your call to the west and expect them to come from the east if that makes sense like i would always I always think about it. You want to give them an advantage of some kind. If you can give them an advantage, they're going to come. I think just, you know, the wind in your face, I think you get, give them, it makes it hard for them to get around you or it makes them go away around you or instead whether they can, you know, when they can just come right out of that timber and they're already going to be on the downwind side of the call. I think it gives them a lot more uh, motivation to come in and then feel like they have an advantage or will have an advantage, right. you know, in a very short period of time. And you have like effectively like an, a, a slight offset wind to the point where yep. you're, you still have an advantage there and they, they think right. they do, but they really don't. And it's your like, okay, yeah. I can see how that works. And that's right. why you're setting. The right. Like if I was sitting on the edge of a, like if I was sitting on the edge of a square timber, like I would sit right on the, let's say middle edge of it, you know, if I was deer hunting, I would blow my wind straight out into the field. That way, anything that's going to come into me has to come out into the open for me to see it. If that makes, if that. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I think that's just something I'm going to have to like really think about. in when I go to make my sets where you put yeah. the call is really important in relativity to the like you need to have a decent wind in general but then yep. once you get there you have to like like all right i want to sit here i think the coyotes are going to come from here they're going to circle downwind generally in this direction so i want to be able to shoot them over yep. here so based yep. on all that i need to put the call 50 yards this way yep and i always yeah. face the call into the wind too like the speaker i'll always face it into the wind just so it makes that sound like sound like it's more that direction also gotcha okay yeah man that's okay that's a yeah that's really tough one to kind of like explain or yeah like, yeah uh, it's gotta like it's gonna be one of those things when you start picking out your spots or where you're gonna go you can apply it but it's hard to it, it's a hard concept to think about with nothing you know right. I, I totally get what you're saying i need a whiteboard like the one I got behind me right now, I need that whiteboard and just start drawing on it and give me some visuals. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So then what about, uh, what about after you have your, like your first set, let's just say like, you're going to go coyote hunting for the night. It gets dark at six, you start at five and you intend on hunting until like 10 or 11. Right. Yep. So, so your first hunt, you, you work through that first set, nothing bites. Are you like, are you moving like 200 yards or are you moving like two properties over or are you moving like 500 yards or is it terrain based or how do you know like where your next set is going to be or how do you plan that out? 
Uh, I would say general general rule. I'm trying to move a mile. Um, a, mi- a mile. Shit. That's yeah. Hard. I would generally <laughs> try to move a mile. I I would say, but it but it depends. You know, if I went into that first stand, I played one rabbit sequence and dumped one. You know, I would not feel. I wouldn't feel too bad about going. You know, the next draw over. You know, whatever it. I would definitely, I think it all depends on how your first stand goes. If I went through every sound, you know, every, the whole setup, I'm definitely going to move a mile. Um, unless, unless there's a, if, if I can, if I have a wind in my face, you know, I might not move, might move three quarters of a mile uh, if the wind's in my face, but like, especially if the wind's blowing that d- direction you want to go. I mean, that, that wind can carry the sound a lot farther too. So I would say, yeah, general rule, I'm going to try to move a mile if I can. Okay. So, you know, you're not, and in this, in this scenario, you're really not hunting like a, a 50 or hundred acre farm. Like that's one set for you. Yep. And then you're going yeah. to the next. Yeah. Yep. I would right. say that if you, the only, the only case I would move less distance is going to be if I hear them howl, let's say they're seven, eight, 900 yards away. You know, I, and I, I heard them howl, a whole group of them, they're across the road, they're, you know, across the creek. If there's some barrier there, then I would, I would feel confident moving on them, you know, and, but if, if, if I have open field between me and them, I probably wouldn't do it. But if they have, if I have some barrier or some reason why I don't think they're going to come into me, I would, I would definitely move over there and try them there. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you're moving a mile and trying to get, trying to get some good distance. Um, if you're like, if you like, why would, why would you feel confident going to the next draw over if you shot one, like right away? Is it just cause like, just cause I think you're, I think you're just playing less, less sound. You didn't blast a bunch of howls that they could hear for miles. Um, okay. You know, I just think that, uh, you know, moving, you know, let's say it's 500 yards over the next hill into the next draw, you know, especially in the world of suppressors, if you're shooting a suppressor, which most deer hunters aren't, but they're getting pretty common. You know, there's a lot of people that have them anymore. And if you, Mm -hmm. if you have one of those two, I think that you can move even shorter distance. Um, But I just, I just prefer not to burn ears. I always call it burn ears when you just blast your sounds over a bunch of coyotes and, you know, hit them from three different directions. I think you can really, really, really hurt yourself for the future. If you gotcha. going to go that way, just give them some solid education. Yes, exactly. Cause okay. they are dogs. They'll, you know, they, they learn just like every other dog does. So unfortunately, that's the unfortunate part about them. You just don't get a lot of chances to screw up. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, anything else regarding like setups? before we jump to calls? I uh, I would say, you know, one thing, I, what you mentioned earlier, you know, is just like, uh, I think a lot, a very common thing I see a lot to a mistake is people have their scope cranked up on a high power and all of a sudden one piles in at, you know, 40, 50, 60 yards right to the call and all of a sudden they can't find them in their scope. Yeah. And then you get flustered and, it's, you know, it just turns into a, a shit show after that but uh, yep. i think and then you having, miss having, yes <laughs> yes exactly 
No, I think just I always have my scope cranked all the way down, and I always will zoom it in if I need to, no problem. But uh, yeah, I think having your scope cranked down, having like a, you know, just being ready, whether it's you're on a bipod or a tripod or, you know, however it may be, as long as if, if you're ready, like if it, if if you're in a box blind, like deer hunters a lot of times are. I think you're sitting there. A lot of people will sit there with their gun in the corner. And all of a sudden here comes a coyote peeling out and it's just the mad dash to get your, to get your gun out the window. Um, I think that's a, that, that's a really hard thing to do. So I think just having your gun out the window, pointing into the downwind, just always being ready to being ready to shoot the downwind. I think yeah. those things can make a big difference into your success and just keeping you calm, especially when you don't do it a lot. It's, I mean, it's exciting. So yeah, that's the way I look at it. Oh, it is. It's so exciting, especially when you like the few times that I've called them in. It's just like, holy shit, there's one right there. Jesus, yeah. don't move. <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. Because like, I think a lot of a lot of people that are normal deer hunters, you know, you, you're just going out there more of a pastime. It's something to do in the winter, whatever. And then all of a sudden you call one in and it's all of a sudden like, oh, shit, here comes one. Like now all of a sudden now I got to shoot it, you know, and I think, right. you know, hard thing to uh to do especially when you're just doing it for for shits and giggles yeah 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 um okay no great great points there um you did mention like a, a chair do you sit like on the ground i have a buddy who's got uh whatever like a six a five foot tall tripod and he's like no nah, i just stand the whole time yeah if you're night hunting you can get away with standing i just uh i personally i don't stand me and okay. the guys that i hunt with whether it's day or night, we don't stand. Um, I sit in like a turkey lounger. If you look up like a turkey lounger on, yeah, you know, Camellas or on whatever Google, any turkey lounger, like just gets you like a couple inches off the ground. It's really nice when there's snow because your butt doesn't get cold and wet. Um, you know, just kick the snow out where you're gonna sit and set your chair down, and it's comfortable. You know, you, it's pretty nice spot yeah. to sit. So I always sit in that like i said day night doesn't matter i think i think uh hunting off a tripod can be effective at night it's just i think it's a lot harder to hide and you know tripods to get a good tripod that's steady is expensive and uh it's a you know it's a lot of money to get something like that and and uh as a general rule as at least my experience is they're they are pretty pricey to get one that you can actually stand up and be rock solid and you know make a two three hundred yard shot yeah yeah and the buddy that i that i know that has one is certainly he would not spare the expense he'd be like yeah "Yeah, i'm just gonna get (laughs) the best thing out there it's two grand i'm gonna pay two grand i don't care (laughs) yeah (laughs) so exactly which i'm not i'm not gonna do that uh yeah we we just sit and you know i've hunted with guys who stand and i know a lot of guys who do stand and that's totally fine that's their way and that works too but uh, i i think you can hide better and you know a little less little lower profile get away with sitting in some different spots but mm-hmm. okay do you uh okay so then what else was there anything else i mean we covered the call itself we covered the spinner it's kind of set up wind um is there a preferred like terrain that you like or like if you have the ability to go a bunch of different spots like you're looking obviously like you want distance like you want to be able to see a long ways but yeah if i can 
I would say just cover, like just general, like bigger, thicker CRP, you know, any, most good deer hunting spots are good coyote hunting spots realistically, because there's a lot of cover types and a lot of cover types that hold, you know, small game, whatever. I think, you know, this is like the thickest, nastiest woods you can think of probably has the most coyotes just because there's there's probably rabbits everywhere there's you know it's yeah. easier for them to hunt uh things like that you know some of the best places i can think of are just calling it thick nasty woods pine trees uh anything mm-hmm. like that cedars any 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 really good cover is probably there's coyotes but that's the main thing i look for like i'll i'll zoom out of my onyx and just be like oh there's a big timber zoom in like I'm going to try to get permission to hunt around that somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And then, yeah, I mean, it seems like 90% of farmers are going to be like, yeah, go shoot those coyotes. Like I'm totally cool. Yeah. Most people. Yeah. Right. Have you had, have you had no's? Yeah, I think I have had a lot of no's. I think it's, it's becoming more and more real. I mean, more and more people are saying no, I think it's, uh, there's way more people calling anymore and there's you know so many properties are leased out for deer hunting you know so there's a lot of different factors that go into it mate you know a lot of a lot of farmers are like yeah i wish you could you know but sorry you know i can't someone leases this or i already told some other guy he could hunt here or you know something along those lines i just realistically i always try to pick the landowner's brain a little bit if anyone else hunts there and if someone else hunts there and especially if i know who it is i won't go there but if uh if i hear that you know they let anybody go in there or something like that i probably i'm probably not gonna go there realistically or i'm or might try to night hunt it but i mean so i just i mean obviously you know like you have kids you have it's hard to go out there and waste your time realistically that's just the way i look at it is i'm not going to go out there and intentionally go to a spot where i know i'm not going to call something in i'll just not go there like i'll just you know i'll pick and choose my times to go to better places and uh do it that way yeah and i mean when you're so i have to imagine it's a lot of trial and error to figure out what are those quote-unquote better places yeah 100 percent. i think you're gonna you know, every, every farmer, every person says, oh, I hear them howling every night. You know, they're right behind the house. They're, you know, realistically, they're probably a lot farther away than they think they are. But if you get yeah. to a place and he says, yeah, I see him all the time. Or somebody says, yeah, I, you know, I see him every day or I see him, you know, twice a week. If they're seeing them, especially in Wisconsin or, you know, the, the upper Midwest, if they're seeing them, there's, that's probably a pretty good spot. And then, yeah, trial and error, you're going to find that certain spots are just good. And I have spots that are just, for some reason, I can't ever call one in. I have spots that are really look really good. And for some reason, they're not there. I've found spots hmm. that I've been able to kill them in the morning and not in the evening. You know, I, I don't know. It's just weird. I have theories of why some of those things are, but I truthfully, sometimes I just have no idea and I just end up scratching my head. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of parallels there to uh, to deer hunting in terms of like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know, like they should be here, but they're not here. 
And yeah, I have to exactly. imagine like That's... there's some spots where you like pretty much you can get a couple coyotes out of every year. Like, yeah, they're yep. always in here and like this is just a great setup and it just works. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's for sure. I have, you know, a lot of a lot of spots that are just if I just am careful about when I go there, I'm going to probably have a chance to, you know, kill two or three there every year. Yeah. Hmm. I, and and you say like we, I used to do a ton of bow fishing. I used to shoot carp all yep. the time. And every time I sold someone, I do that. It was just like, oh, I see carp. I see carp all the time. Yeah. Come, come shoot right. my lake or come shoot my like, oh yeah, you can come shoot the river by me or whatever. You, you really need to spend some time over here. And as yeah. like, well, A, like I always said, like, dude, I'm not driving two hours to shoot carp when I can shoot carp 15 minutes from my house. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry, like not interested. But as yeah. I have to imagine it's very similar to coyotes. And I know my dad says the same thing out about our properties like there's always coyotes in here and like like this year there was actually a, a stunning lack of coyotes um <clears throat> when i was bow hunting like i didn't hear nearly what i usually would in a year so and he's like man they're everywhere and so i think like yeah just i i think it's kind of one like what you're saying you just don't want to waste your time and you really gotta kind of pick your brain to figure pick that person's brain if you're asking for permission be like all right is this yeah. worth it or not how many times are you going to give a property like a spot, a try before you're like, all right, this is no good. Um, oof. well, I, I guess it's going to depend on what I like. Am I, is there tracks? Like I'm always all looking right. for tracks. Is there cover? You know, does the neighbors get called? I'm thinking there's a lot of factors that might go into that. Um, you know, I would say, personally if i call a spot probably three times like because i i just don't call spots if the conditions aren't right if it's windy if it's snowing if it's raining you know i just don't even attempt to hunt those times just because it's not worth it and sure. i'm gonna go in there at very opportunistic times where i think are very very high odds so if i go in there three times on high odds and i don't see one hear one if it doesn't appear that they're there then i I probably would give it up. I, I would maybe not go back or I would, I would try night hunting it. I always night hunting it. It's going to be a time that you can figure it out. Um, Cause if there's tracks or whatever, they're there at some point and usually it's going to be in the night. So I would always resort to night hunting as my last resort. Sure. If I had to. Okay. In some places okay. just start, some places are just that way. You can just like, like, I mean, you can't, obviously you can, you could, you could probably dive way down into there and you could probably call one in if you, you know, if that's the only spot you had to go, but mm -hmm. if it was me, I would just try to night hunt it, you know, and, and try to figure it out. And some, like I have spots that are night spots. I have spots that are morning spots and dust spots and just, you know, you over the time you figure it out. I think that, you know, most deer hunters, I think the best thing you can do is just find out what's the time for your property and, you know, trail cameras, if you, if you run your trail cameras, I mean, there's no better tool really. Like I have yeah. people that will text me pictures of coyotes. And if they send me a daylight picture of a coyote, like I'm going in there that night and I'm going to call it in and kill it. Cause if they're, if I get a daylight, if they have a daylight picture of a coyote, it's probably very close in the, you know, in the world of cell cams and, and the things yeah. that we have now we have so much technology and things at our fingertips that can help you you know, if you're getting pictures of coyotes all of a sudden, like crazy, like that's, you know, I would, 
definitely jump in there and, and that's going to be your best time when you when you can know that they're close by and get close by to them you know just mm-hmm. being close to them is always always a huge advantage got it yeah that's fair that's very fair um all right let's jump to calls um okay. when or actually is there anything else before because this is the i this is like my last kind of like subject that i'd like to ask you about is there anything else that you wanted to cover before we dive into this or do you want to roll into this oh, i'm trying to think no i i don't think so not that i can think of anyways off the top of my head i think we've been rolling through it pretty good okay so calls like i know there's like a breeding season where you're people are running like mainly like coyote sounds like howls and whatnot and there's other times yep. where people are mainly running like prey and distress what is that how does that work how do you differentiate i know previously you said like you mix them into a specific sequence like your first set or something like that but like talk to me about that okay the one thing i one thing i will add i forgot that when i thought about it right as you asked your question the only thing, other thing I would say is just always making sure you're gun sighted in. <laughs> I think that more, way more deer hunters than anyone I know, they're like, oh yeah, I got this 223 or I got this 22250 that I sits in the case all year and then I just take it out. Well, I've seen more right. guys miss, but just whatever. Yeah. Just make sure you're gun sighted. Doesn't Did matter I just... what kind of gun it is. Just make sure it's sighted. <laughs> <laughs> make sure it is. Did I literally just pulled open one of my Tacticams? Um, but he gave me two tax cams. First two pictures are Yotes right. from last last night at 1 a.m. Yep. Rolling in on the edge of a field. And that's the that's like the edge that I've been like in my head. I've been talking to you about. That's what yep. I've been envisioning. And uh those are targets. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then this guy, I mean, this guy, this guy seems to show up like he's always on there around 3 a.m. Same there, nice. those cell cams are 50 yards apart. Um, just yep. kind of like funny, like a lot of people wouldn't put cell cams 50 yards apart, but for whatever reason, like the way these deer travel um, through the yeah. property, like I'll get them sometimes on one and definitely not on the other. Um, yep. But then I got, uh, and then I got like these, these bobcats. I'm sure, I'm sure I'm just going through the oh. trail cameras. Yeah. Nice. this dude this that dude is a regular I'm i got jealous. This. yeah he's a good size giddy um oh man you need to get a cat tag yeah so here's a fun story yeah there's another daylight like i mean he's squirting through there oh, at four o'clock in the afternoon um oh, man <laughs> so yeah if you get a cat tag let me know i will yeah i've got one next year i have two points so oh do you okay yeah yeah I mean, here he is three days. Yeah, he's three days in a row in the exact same spot, same time, four o'clock. Um, so, yeah, I'll have to talk to my dad because my dad is like, he's becoming like a like he likes the bobcats. So there's this yeah. dude. Uh, before we get to the calls, I apologize for everybody listening. I'm about to go on a tangent. There's a guy, a friend of a friend, who is like, hey, I want to trap this year, like do you know anywhere I can trap? And I was like, well, you sure. Like you want to trap like some coons and shit. And he was like, yeah, dude, I'm going to trap whatever. Like, I just want to learn to trap. I'm like, yeah, you can come out and trap our property all you want. Like not a problem. 
And he calls me like two months later or whatever. And he goes, I don't know a lot about trapping at all. And he goes, uh, it's like, dude, you'll never believe it. I drew a bobcat tag. He's like, first year ever, I got a bobcat tag. Apparently, it's like one of the hardest animals to trap, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, well, come on out, like trap the coons, trap the bobcats. I'll ask my, my dad's like, yeah, I don't care. Like, that's totally fine. So then I gave that guy permission. And then like, and that was in, I don't know when you get your bobcat tag, but, but that was in like, I don't know, maybe July or August or something in that time frame. Yep, and then in August, September. I think. Yeah. And in September, my dad was sitting out on the cabin, like back porch, drinking coffee in the morning. And he saw a bobcat run across the yard. And he thought it was like the coolest thing ever because he was just sitting there by himself. And fast forward two months later, that dude traps that bobcat like 150 yards from the cabin. And it is a yep. it's a huge. It's, it was a great big old bobcat. And um, and my dad's like, and I was like, dude, he got him, yada, 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 sent me pictures. And, and my dad was like, oh, that's so cool. And then like a week later, he's like, man, now I'm never going to see that one again. Dude, I really, he goes, my dad's like, I don't know how I feel about Bobcat tags anymore. I'm like, shut your mouth. Like these yeah. are, we have like. They are relentless hunters. Dude, they like, yeah. I mean, they are in the reason we talked to the biologist, we had a tornado roll through about 15 years ago on the property. And that tornado created so much brush. It created so much small yep. game habitat. And they said, literally, like you just watched the collars, collared bobcats move into this area. Like the, the territories yep. got smaller, more of them got in here. So like this year I was bow hunting and I saw a mom and three kits um, oh. out cruising, out cruising. And I'm pretty sure I know exactly where they live because they came out right at dusk or at least one of their dens. Um, and then I saw I saw two more. My uncle saw another one. Um, and then like this one, there's clearly like two or three still using the property right now because they're all different sizes. Yeah. And one of them, one uh, of them is one that I like. I'm kind of afraid to run into, like, I would be afraid he's got a collar on and he is, he's a very large Bob. Like I would be afraid if my dog oh, got after that thing, I'd be like, Oh shit, my dog's in trouble. It's a big, big right. boy. Um, yeah, but yeah, I shot one over by me the other day. It was 36 pounds. Jesus. That's a big, I think that's huge. Yeah. That's a big kitty. Um, yeah. So anyway, um yeah there goes that you know how like when you talk to somebody like you meet someone for the first time and you're like are you a hunter i'm a hunter yeah. and then all of a sudden they're like you want to see my gallery on my phone and you're like yes i do yeah. and it ain't nudes they're showing you they're just like look at this deer yeah. look at this deer look yeah. at this coyote look at these ducks yeah like i feel like that's what i was doing right there was like hey look at all these trail camera pictures <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> oh no, uh, perfect yeah all right, dude, let's, uh, let's get into, uh, uh, so you were saying prior to my tangent, you were saying, um, sight your gun and make sure you can hit whatever you're yeah. shooting. Yeah. Next that's thing. The only thing. Next yep. thing calls. Um, yep. what are, uh, actually for sighting your gun in, are you generally like trying to sight in around a hundred yards? Like just like roughly in that range? Yeah. Or? I mean, I hit my gun. I have a 250 yard zero. But I would say if your gun's zeroed at a hundred yards, like you're going to be, you know, more than, more than good. Like I would, 
especially like for your general deer hunter like if you're if you're on at 100 i mean anything 200 and in you're gonna be you're gonna be perfect on with any general deer rifle okay gotcha all right moving on talking about calls when to use what hit me all right well i would say you know breeding season i would consider like december january february pretty much you know is pretty much going to be your breeding sounds time of year um the only thing that i really change during breeding sound or season is i just play more vocals and i use more female sounds um and i think you can uh you know you can utilize those to your advantage um you know i I don't think there's realistically you can use a lot of the like the sounds that i said earlier you can use those sounds year round and probably and you're probably going to have success um but i would just you know i think the a cottontail sound is very uh overused and i think sometimes it can be ineffective just because everybody does it and i think that just being a little bit different than everyone else that's why like i always am changing volumes and and doing those things just to be different add some realism to your setup you know so many people are going to go out there and crank the volume up turn on cottontail and sit there for you know 10 minutes but just just changing up your sounds i use a lot of bird sounds um gosh i've used everything from pheasant distress you know woodpecker distress uh you know i know i know i know people have success with fawn distress especially if you know there's a lot of deer or you know there's a dead deer close by uh there's i saw a video the other day of the guys in southwest wisconsin and the they were using uh like uh chicken it was uh choking choking chicken and these dogs (laughs) just come piling into it um so i just think using different sounds uh is 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 important the mostly uh but generally december december to february is going to be your breeding sound so like that's when you can pull out your female invitations your female whimpers your estrus uh chirps female submission things like that um and then there's like anymore there's so many good sounds out there like there's you know there's four or five different you know people that make sounds that are all just killer so i mean you can get you could get go out there and you know buy four or five sounds for you know whatever 20 30 bucks and get some really really kick-ass sounds uh you know i it's it's hard to say that there's not many like just telltale sounds you got to have but just like I just think that the presentation of them, the timing of them can be, you know, the biggest thing. And then once you get to like March, you know, we're talking like they're having pups and that's when I would go lean more heavily on like your pup distress sounds, your rabbit, like your distress sounds seem to be more effective in the spring because obviously they're hungry. The females are hungry and, and they're territorial, obviously over their, their dens. And then in the summer is like 
you know, a lot of people are going to say the summer is the best time to call coyotes. Then uh, it can be again, very vocal. They won't travel very far, but if you can use vocals, you can even like locate them from the road and, you know, locate, okay, they're in that draw, they're in that, you know, timber, whatever it may be. If you can get close to them and play some, you know, challenge howls, things like that. I think you can, you can, it definitely works good. Uh, yeah, I think that it's, it's, uh, I think those seven sounds that I told you earlier though, like the baby cottontail, you know, baby cottontail is what I use a lot. Um, it's just a little bit different than a normal cottontail, you know, something different woodpecker, the pheasant distress, things like that. I just always try to be different, you know, than everybody else and give them, give them a little bit something different. Cause I, sure. I don't think that they even, even jackrabbit, but like Jack, I think jackrabbits overplayed too, even up here, but like it works. I just don't think that they know what they're hearing. They just hear a distressed animal. Right. So, right. you know, I just think that it can all work, but um, I just, yeah, I just like to be different, you know, using different things than majority of the people use. And uh, yeah, your if you, interrogation howls, I would say, are never are are a very like uh it's almost like a social call like hey i'm over here so you're not it's not very aggressive i would not be afraid to use those at any time of the year the only thing that you have to be careful on is like a challenge howl but they'll, they'll have a challenge howl on most calls i would say that the only time that i'll bring out a challenge howl is if i'm desperate or if one challenge howls at me so if they're like barking and howling at you I'll bring out a challenge howl and I almost will always play a female challenge howl versus a male. I just, right. it's just not as, uh, not as intimidating. And especially if you can tell if it's a female, because a lot of the, a lot of people, you know, assume that males are always the aggressor. Well, it's actually the ones that are, it's, it's a lot of times it's a female. That's the one that's barking and howling at you. So gotcha. a female, if you can't tell, cause a lot of people can't, you know, a lot of people, I get the question a lot, you know, they howled at me, you know, what do I do? Well, it's so hard to say because I don't, I didn't hear them. I don't know. Like, and once you do it a lot and do it a few times and you hear them howl and you can start to correlate what you think they're saying. And you know, what I always tell guys is just like, what, you know, don't, don't go into it with, I don't know what they just did. So I'm going to do this. Just at least give yourself a, a guess like, okay, I think that's a male and he's challenging me. Okay. I'm going to challenge him. And if it doesn't work, then you can change it. But if you just throw out random stuff and don't know what really what you're have no attack, I think it makes it hard for you to adjust next time. Sure. So that's one thing that yeah. I always would encourage guys that are newer to do is just to, you know, whether you don't know or not, but just like try to make an assumption of what they're saying and then say what you think is the proper response. And then if it doesn't work next time, change it. And then you find something that works, then you can just, you know, roll with that the next that. time. Okay. Yeah, man, that's fair. Um, I, you know, in elk hunting, my buddy always says what they say, just repeat back to them, hammer it back at them. Yes. Like if they rip yes. a bug at you, you rip back. If they chuckle, you chuckle. Like, yes. 
And that sounds like kind of what you're saying is like throw yep. it back at them if it doesn't. And if it doesn't work, like maybe if it's a challenge and you challenge back, then like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come get you type of thing. And then they come. Right. Like think, think about a challenge, like a challenge bugle to a, to a bull elk is like the most aggressive sound. Basically, that's just, yeah. that's the same thing with the challenge howl. Like, so that's like the last thing I'm going to use to try to trigger response. You know, of course, unless he challenges me, then I'm going to challenge him back. But yeah, I think that uh, same with like a, you know, a turkey, you know, you're trying to call in a hen, you're trying to call in an elk, like a lot of these, you know, you just, just answer them back with what you think they answered or threw at you. And I think that's always a good, good option is always to uh, copy them. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. All right, man. Well, I think that's, I think that's good. That's really, um, that helps, that helps a lot in terms of, you know, don't use like, don't just always use cottontail because of pressure and other people using that, but also, you know, baby cottontail, woodpecker, pheasant, like you said, just oddballs, oddball distress, because it all kind of sounds like something's dying and they should come eat it. <laughs> so, yep. um, so yeah, yeah that, sure. and then, and then, it, and then it sounds like there's more finesse and you really got to kind of play with, um, with the actual howls and chatting back and forth with them. Um, and that might be, uh, a coyote hunting 201 versus 101 which is kind of what we're getting into yeah. today right um, and if you like you can go on youtube and things and you can probably you know go like look up what you know a challenge howl sounds like or you know yeah. just you know you can just little things like that that you might be able to you hear them and think oh yeah i heard that once i know what that meant or you know something along those lines mm -hmm. but at the end of the day it's just all going to be trial and error and you, you don't have to make it more complicated than it is i would just try something and if it doesn't work change it and if it works you do it next time you know <laughs> pretty simple yeah <laughs> complicated about that <laughs> exactly right all right awesome so drew if people wanna um i know we're gonna do this as a dual as a dual podcast so i'm gonna post it here on mine and you're gonna throw it up on yep. yours um yep. what's the name of your podcast and and everything so you can find my podcast on all the platforms i believe uh just predator podcast um and then you can find me on instagram predator podcast underscore drew uh i encourage people to message me like if you have questions like people can send me very specific questions you can send me how i would set up in this place or that place and i'll show you what i would do uh i am very i like to help people and i enjoy hearing success stories from uh getting getting better at it so yeah predator podcast underscore drew on instagram and then the uh, predator podcast this will be i think episode 11 that i've uh, put out this year so yeah there's a lot of good stuff i have a lot of really great guests and we kind of dive into you know different topics from night hunting to you know different you know very specific you, more specific topics i bet you talk about calls and talking back and forth like yep. actual recalls yeah we do we talk about a lot of different things just uh there's a lot of different you know a lot of different great guests that i have on there and then obviously you can go down a rabbit hole with all of those guys that i have on there and their stuff and you know it's just uh you know it's all it's all I like to pull a little bit of everything from everybody and add it to your bag and you never know when you might be able to use it. So, yeah, dude, that's fair. All right. 
Awesome. Well, thanks you. Thank you for, for being on this podcast. Really appreciate the time, man. And, and I hope that, you know, the, the, uh, the novices that are joining your podcast find this helpful, helpful as well. Cause that is really where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I hope uh, to hear you uh, lay some down soon. Yeah, we'll, we'll give it a go. I got, uh, got a few, few weekends coming up that I might be able to sneak away for a little bit. So an evening or a night that's kind of one of the nice things about coyote hunting is like after everyone goes to bed at like 10 o'clock you can kind of like go hunt if you really want to yeah absolutely it is that's one of those things where the wife's just like "Ah, i'm going to bed i'm tired don't (laughs) don't talk to me i'm going to bed at nine like be quiet you know and then you're like all right well i'm just don't be tired tomorrow yeah exactly like I'm just going to sneak out of here. I'll be home around like 1 a.m. or so. I'm not going to the bar. I'm actually going to go just like try to haunt. (laughs) Yeah. I'll be quiet when I get in. (laughs) Yep. 100%. Uh, Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, subscribe, tell your friends, spread the word of mouth. And the shop, the Deer Vein shop is open. Um, So if you want a hat, a hoodie, um, a t-shirt or anything like that, go check that out. Just go to deervane.com, click on shop and you, it's all right there. All right. Thank you everyone for listening. Catch you next time.